0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to another show. I have a guest with me today, Heather Lavallo, and uh, we're excited to talk to you today about prepping for having a baby. There's a lot of financial stuff that can go into that and just a lot of planning in general. And so um, we're going to be covering some of the things kind of like high level to think about as you approach that big time in your life and hopefully hit on some of the things maybe you, you haven't heard uh, or at minimum kind of give you, like I said, some of those big things to think think about as you approach that point in your life. But uh, before we jump into that, I was hoping to have Heather kind of give a little quick intro she's not been on before heather's one of the planners at our planning firm and so she's working in the trenches at, with with us and working with some of the families that we we work with day by day so if you if you work with us you you probably know heather already but uh for those that that don't know you heather can you give kind of a quick intro and uh we can jump into this
1: yes thanks daniel it's a pleasure to be joining you today i have been with ren financial planning for a little over a year now and I first got started as a client service associate, and that's how probably most of our listeners uh, who work with our firm would know me, Um, but I am working remotely from Florida and have been enjoying the weather here lately. I have two children, so I am experienced in prepping for baby uh, with all things financial and otherwise. So happy to talk about this because uh, I know, as I was approaching having my first child, especially there was a lot running through my mind, especially with my financial planning background. As far as okay, what do we need to do?
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, so also Heather is our uh, newest CFP or certified financial planner. So she's she's also got she didn't give herself total credit there. She's definitely got some some uh, good like technical knowledge too there, and but really you know experience is a lot of it. So I guess between the two of us. I have three kids you have two so we got five kids there uh and then if you look at our client base we got like a million kids so
1: yes yes <laughs> so, and okay. more on the way <laughs>
0: oh yeah lots lots of kiddos it's funny we uh as financial planners tend to a lot of times be like the first person that finds out it's not i mean it's like a weekly conversation i get into with people where they're like do we want i could tell they're about to tell me but they're like looking at each other do we, do we do we want to tell them and and then i know what's coming and then they they're like yeah we're expecting but but like we haven't told anybody yet
1: right right
0: <laughs> i'm like okay uh, you know i guess which is is uh kind of a cool spot to be in and they're coming from the right pra- place because they're thinking like you know many of you guys listening they want to make sure they're kind of covering their bases planning wise and thinking about what they need to think about now that they know it's happening so it's it's just uh there are quite a few things to think about especially on your first kid and my experience has been like The, I guess, anxiety level or like planning concern decreases each child we have (laughs) (laughs) to the point. And I'm kind of like a little lower on like the uh, urgency. And my wife is much more, um, it's funny to say this because I'm a financial planner, but my wife is the planner (laughs) in our household. Yes, yes. Well, she has a very high concern.
1: Nesting is a very real thing as you are approaching having a kid, um, and mm-hmm. I I know especially with um, my first, everybody wanted to give me advice on all of the things, and that can be a bit overwhelming and a bit confusing and make you feel like you don't know what you're doing. So, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess maybe a disclaimer: having children is should not be, or is really kind of not a financial decision. I mean, obviously, because you know, children always cost more money. I mean there it's expensive to have it's additional mouth to feed and I mean so it's going to have an impact you know I guess it's going to have a cost uh, impact on your financial affairs and so every once in a while people are like when is the right time financially to have children I'm like never. <laughs> you know cuz it's going to always cost. So I think it's from a starting point I think it's better to kind of frame it like this is a values based decision and then Will kind of make the finances work around it. So there's definitely sure. all kinds of financial things to be thinking about, you know, kind of around it all. But at the end of the day, you're having a child and you need to focus on that and like loving the child and you're know, figuring out the parenting thing because you know there's not <laughs> that's the part uh, that's fun and challenging and exciting and all that sort of thing. So
1: absolutely.
0: So yeah. So what are maybe we could start with like the probably the the most common things that come to mind um, that people are thinking about, and then we can circle back to some of the things maybe that they they're less likely to, and maybe their financial planner or somebody like us would be you know, reminding them of. So what do you think are the things that come to mind as like the biggest things or the top things people think about?
1: Probably the first few things that comes to mind is. Planning for education savings, the initial medical expenses. So the the cost of, of having a baby, like actually having a baby, and then thinking about all of the stuff that you feel like you need to buy. Um, you know, the, the gear that are kind of big expenses as well as some ongoing expenses related to maybe childcare, you know, um, if you're going to both be working outside the home, um, or going back to work after one or both of you is able to take leave if you can so
0: yeah so some of the upcoming expenses and then maybe education i i would agree it seems like education tends to pop up and be a common thing people are thinking about and they're really thinking about like do i the question i is more like do i need to start saving for education like immediately and what is is that is that the something we should also be doing so and that kind of falls in line with all these expenses that were talking about. So let's start like sooner or, you know, the most, the first expenses, I I guess that people would be seeing. So like, you know, prepping the furniture that, you know, all the baby stuff and, and then maybe the healthcare expenses. I think for us, it was just more like getting it all on paper, I guess. That's how we operate. And sometimes you just don't <laughs> have enough time to You kind of just have to make do with things but ideally you have kind of a list of things that you would
1: like to do and and then kind of a priority order list so when you say put it on paper do you mean the items that you're buying like car seat crib that kind of thing like listing it out Mm -hmm. yeah
0: like a checklist and kind of a ballpark dollar amount or maybe some of them you're hoping to get it like a shower or something like that or but kind of like just a Like the the financial planner in me is like, let's get a kind of an inventory of all of it and start to kind of work backwards from there.
1: Sure, sure. And you can find uh, some pretty good samplings of checklists online. Um, You know, a lot of companies are happy to provide that for you because they, would like to sell you their products correct <laughs> <laughs> and of course not everything is needed <laughs> that mm-hmm. you think uh is needed which i i think it gets back to whenever you have uh your second third and beyond you realize how much stuff you didn't need as what you might have thought the first time around um, but that being said you know car seat crib like there are some big purchases that certainly you're you're gonna have to get
0: mm-hmm. yeah we're we're probably not gonna offer much advice and value around the you know, these specific categories. A lot of it's personal and you know, we're kind of focused on, you know, more of the financial aspects beyond this point in time. But I think you know, the main takeaway is kinda do your best do your best to get a good inventory. So you kinda have an idea of the impact there and what it you know effect it's gonna have on your budget. And I would say the other thing that I would add is ideally you are at a point where you have like a nest egg, you know, like a savings to spend on, this is just one additional reason to kind of like start saving money in your savings account to kind of, we call it, we always call it a major purchase savings, but like ideally you have like a savings account kind of like dedicated to these sorts of like one-time bigger purchases.
1: Sure. And then this is beyond what you would have in your emergency fund. Ideally. Yeah. Ideally
0: ideally right you you get emergency fund is the unexpected and then this would be the expected stuff so so let's talk a little bit about some of the expenses that would happen um around i guess the medical expenses because there's a little bit of um uh, i guess there is this starts to get into some of the uh you know different vehicles you can use and um you know tax related stuff and and that sort of thing so what, what's a good starting point when we're looking at like the health asset, you know, the, the medical coverage aspect, I guess?
1: Well, one of the main things really is to take a look at what your insurance policy will cover. And, and that can vary from situation to situation. And also, it might depend on um, what type of birth you are hoping to do. So, For example, I I didn't at home birth, and so I paid for that out of pocket. That was not something that my insurance covered. And I know for some, you know, their insurance will cover perhaps uh, more traditional hospital expenses, but if they want a midwife or a doula uh, to be present, um, that might be an extra service that insurance isn't going to cover.
0: Yeah. So, like in our experience, we went to you know more. I guess the go to the doctor route and hospital and that kind of thing. I know when you go to the, your typical OBGYN is going to have like at their office, a lot of them will kind of like on the front end, set you up with a payment plan kind of thing where they already run it through health insurance and can tell you kind of like what the cost is going to be. I think the huge thing about that, that sometimes might get overlooked is that they're not considering the hospital aspect, which oftentimes is the biggest expense especially if you end up in like complications or c-section and that kind of stuff uh or you know NICU and that's where it really uh can rack up and so I think it's best like Heather was saying is to uh, look into your health insurance or whatever health care costs would be covered and not covered there and p- personally I would err on the high side I would kind of go Usually, this is our, in, with our clients, this is typically the first time they max everything out. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> right, right. And they're <laughs> like, <laughs> All oh, the deductibles.
0: <laughs> no, is that high. So I would plan for or lean towards the higher end of the cost spectrum um, because you don't know. And it's, I don't know, I don't know the percentage on this, but I would, I know a ton of people that have had C sections. So
1: sure. Yeah.
0: I'm sh- you know, in our experience, my wife had three C sections, so they're they're sure. super expensive.
1: Right, right. And sometimes you can, you know, you know that going in, you're planning on doing a C section. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we
0: did after after the first one. It was planned. It was right. You, once you know that, um, the other thing too is you can uh, you got to keep your eye on these um, insurance companies. I mean, their insurance companies are, you know, they're they are what they are, but they're they're in the business of um, you know making money as well and so there what i see sometimes happen with the insurance companies is they kind of stick you on these out of network in network things especially when you get into hospital uh stays and that kind of thing you i i think it's just good in general to get an idea of what you're looking at in terms of like you know whether you're going to go to the hospital or have you know a child at home or whatever what's going to be covered and not covered who's out of network who's in network and then once it get you know, after the fact, double check that. Because like I've seen it many times with clients and in my own experience, there was multiple expenses that they called out of network that should not have been out of network. Um, and that's a big, huge cost difference. So you got to keep an eye on the insurance company in general. Um, and more information is better always in this example. And it's definitely, I would, I would err on the side of high, high costs
1: sure the other thing too is um, making sure you understand ahead of time how to add your new baby to the insurance plan what the process is for that um, and how quickly you can accomplish that
0: right and whose insurance should you add at the child if you're married whose spouse if they if you both work which spouse should you add your child to
1: exactly you might want to reevaluate um, whose coverage you're under which person's perhaps family coverage might be better and in some cases you might have one person sticking with an individual plan and then the child is covered under the other person's plan.
0: Yep. And there's not a one size fits all answer at all here. There's no good rules of thumb. It's going to always be, you know, personal circumstances and uh, looking at what you have available. Um, There's also the, um, you know, on top of the health insurance, there's like the, um, Tax sheltered healthcare, I guess, healthcare savings type plan things like the HSA and the FSA, right? Or M- MSA. What's the other one, Heather? HR. I get all the acronyms messed up, but HSA, FSA, HRA is another one. But there's a whole handful of like healthcare, like savings account type things you can put money into and then use it for out of pocket costs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The HSAs seem to be the most common one um, that that we see. And, uh, of course, when you have family coverage, the amount that you can put towards that increases.
0: Yeah, and the FSA um, is typically for lower deductible plans, not, you know, on average. It doesn't have to be, but it's most of the time. I think if we're talking big picture, because every, like I was saying earlier, every plan is going to be different. But if we're talking big picture, I think in general, it's a really good idea to you know if we're talking early in the game to be thinking about like can you fund those types of accounts more aggressively to help cover these higher than normal out-of-pocket expenses because i mean every once in a while like especially for you guys that are working at like academic hospitals in some cases it's like the 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 cost is really high but like you just have a really good health insurance and you might only be paying like a 100 bucks out of pocket for having a child. So there are those kinds of situations. But in most cases, it's going to be pretty expensive out of pocket. And so ideally, you're, uh, you know, getting ahead of that and putting some starting to save, you know, maybe a little more than normal into one of those healthcare type savings accounts, uh, because the tax benefits are really good on those. It's like, otherwise, you're gonna have to pay with like after tax dollars. And so if you can, Those accounts, basically the gist of them is they allow you to pay for those out-of-pocket expenses with pre-tax money, which is, you know, definitely much, much better. So those are some of the kind of one-time medical and other expenses. I think the next thing that might be good to look at is, you know, now that you're, you've had the child, you're, you're leaving the hospital. They're like, okay, you're on your own. And you're like, what the heck? I don't know what I'm doing. That's normally how it goes. That's how it went for me.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm like, are and you, you sure I can leave? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It Sometimes it, it's almost like, is this legal for me to be taking care of this tiny human all by myself now?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. But that's how everybody feels.
1: Yeah. Everybody feels that way. That you can't really prepare for. Right. Just got to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But outside of that, there typically are some like pretty decent expense changes and, um, like ongoing expenses or maybe one-time expenses and
1: oh the diapers
0: diapers the yeah.
1: diapers yes yes so factoring into your budget for the types of things that are now going to be an ongoing cost caring for a child you know
0: unless you're going to do cloth diapers or something
1: well, even even with that, though, <laughs> that, it's still an does expense. That still. Do people,
0: do people do people still do that?
1: I don't hear about that as often, but yeah. I know that people still do it. Um, one yeah. thing that I have heard from friends that have done it is, of course, there is a big upfront cost. Oh, you gotta buy all for the supplies. But one thing that you might want to factor in is increased costs for laundering if yeah, you yeah. are doing the cloth diapers. So, right. uh, increase in water and energy expenses.
0: Yeah. So uh, I guess a an, an, a result result of the profession a lot of you guys listening are in as if if you're if you're a physician like in training those sorts of expenses are gonna be you know you'll feel them a little more now in practice the average physician's income is high enough that you're probably not gonna feel those like little changes like diapers and food whatever um, clothing type things those will. In our experience, a lot of times it's not even, unless you're really watching the money, um, you know, some of, some of you guys, I'm sure like watch your expenses closer than others. And so in that case, you'll notice a difference, but just percentage of income wise, when you're in practice, those sorts of things have a much lesser uh, percentage impact. And so a lot of times you can kind of just roll through that and not really feel it. Now, when we start to get into some of the other stuff, like nanny, that's a big one or childcare in general.
1: Right, right.
0: That (laughs) would, most people, you got to be making a lot of money to not feel that one.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. You can't just counter that off of, okay, we're not eating out as much because we have this tiny human. So we're staying in more and we just roll it in. No, the childcare expenses tend to take a bite out of the budget.
0: Yeah, it's expensive. And so like a nanny, for example, that's, that's all, you know, the higher, the highest, uh, I guess, example I mean you got to think about it you're basically employing someone and so they have have to earn a reasonable wage and so I think nanny's costs maybe 40,000 a year as an average and that's probably some areas might be more than that or depends on that I mean you don't have to have them full time or whatever but uh, nanny's going to be very expensive and so that's going to be I think the the big thing is just Going back to like what I was saying with the inventory, it's like just kind of get all those on paper, what you're thinking you're probably going to be doing and start to estimate, you know, what that might cost in your area or you can ask around or that sort of thing. The big thing about the uh, child care or the big thing about the nanny, especially what's what would you say, Heather, um, is the thing that people miss a lot with that?
1: Ooh, the effect on the taxes, making yeah, sure that's, mm-hmm, that, that's that
0: you're have. Yeah. And then sometimes I, people maybe kind of know the effect on the taxes and they just, it's, it's complicated to do that. And so they just, uh, or they can't find help that won't take cash or whatever, but, um, it definitely sure. has, if you're, if you want to follow the rules.
1: And we encourage you to do that.
0: Correct. Right. 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 Uh, and, always, uh, we're talking about tax off. So always, we got to throw out the disclaimers there to refer to get, get tax advice from your accountant. You guys know that. But uh, it does. What happened, what we're basically talking about is um, household employees, like when you pay someone that sort of wage, and they're working for you regular hours, it's really difficult, or maybe even impossible to argue that they're not an employee of yours. And so a lot of people Employ nannies, not employee, employee is not the correct word. A lot of people have nannies working for them that are independent contractors. So an independent contractor, you just write checks to or just give them cash. Like it's their responsibility to do all the other stuff. And if you're just working with an independent contractor, it's you don't have to worry about all that stuff, like employing stuff, like the stuff that comes with employing people would be like withholding taxes or making sure... Uh, Social Security is funded, and all, there's a law, you know a list of things that are required. Um, if you're just having an independent contractor, you're just paying them cash. That's that's simple. You just write them a check. Um, but the problem is that it's very difficult, or like I said, maybe impossible to consider uh, most nannies as an independent contractor. And so that's where the issue is: is a lot of people are paying their Household employees or nannies as um, independent contractors when they clearly should be employees. I talk I, we recently got audited. this is like normal audit from unemployment insurance in Kentucky, and I was talking to the auditor about it, and he's like, yeah, that's totally like that's like always something we're dealing with is so many people are not paying their household employees correctly. and constantly it's an issue for them to kind of fix. Most of the kind, he says, most of the time it's, you know, just not knowing this is a thing even in the first place. So if you're, if you are kind of potentially going that direction, ideally you get this right on the front end.
1: Yes. And there are agencies that can assist with this if it's not something that you want to handle yourself. Yeah. And some agencies where you would hire a nanny even are going to be including that as far as like, you're basically paying the agency instead of paying the nanny directly. So there are some different ways that, that, you can do these things without having to get into all of the intricacies yourself. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Or you can, um, you can handle the hiring and, you know, and then just outsource the payroll aspect because the payroll part is a lot of where that kind of stuff that you got to deal with comes into play. And then the second, the part two of that is not only you have to pay them as an employee and all the stuff that goes with that, but you also have to include it in your tax return, which is a little confusing. Like it doesn't, it's off the radar of people. Like they're not thinking about that to like include in their tax return. But when you have a household employee, there's a section in your tax return that you have to fill out and, you know, report on stuff. And so that's kind of like the part two of that is including it in your tax return.
1: Something else to consider too um, along these lines is if you're going to be taking either paid or unpaid maternity or paternity leave as far as thinking about, um, your budget and how that's going to affect your income for that time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and working all that out, there's a lot of, or, or are you going to get so sh- uh short uh, term disability or are there other things that can supplement it. And a lot of times it's just like figuring out what the shortfall is, if there is going to be one, but between what you're expecting to earn and, uh, what, you know, you're spending and that, that kind of thing. So What about some of the longer term expenses? Uh, I guess this gets into education funding, but like children in general are expensive.
1: Indeed. (laughs) I think (laughs) they get
0: more expensive the older they get, in my experience.
1: Yes, I think generally that is true. The clothing gets bigger and more expensive, that's for sure. Correct, and they
0: eat more a whole lot. They
1: eat a lot more. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then there's extracurricular activities. My goodness, team sports. Ooh, that can get pricey.
0: Yeah. So I guess that's kind of a nice thing ab- about it is in, in my experience, it kind of tends to ease up when we had our first child, like our, some categories of spending went down actually, like eating out was like <sighs> down. <Yeah. laughs> and then, um, but some other stuff went up. So they kind of offset, but like, you know, now, uh, our oldest is nine and we got six, three, six, nine year old and, um, all boys. And they're like, they eat like crazy people and they rip holes in their pants every day. And so it's like, they are way more expensive (laughs) when they came into this world. And, uh, and then you start talking about education funding and education in general can be extremely expensive. That's probably for a lot of our clients, like the number one cost, you know, especially if you're going to think about doing private school, that's something to think about. Just like it's probably if you guys haven't had kids, and this is your first, like the, these kinds of things may not have been on your radar unless you're like a super planner. And so thinking about what the school districts are and even where you're going to live and private school versus public school and all those kinds of things, that has a big impact on your budget. And then education savings. So Heather, thoughts on um, on education savings and maybe we can kind of talk through what that looks like.
1: Sure. So um, probably one of the biggest things is when people think about education savings, they immediately think about college, university level. Um, but as you were saying, one consideration to think about earlier than that is for perhaps doing private school before they even get to college or university. And if that's the case, the conversation surrounding education savings um, will be a bit different. Um, And also it's something that can change over time as far as maybe you think you're going to start out one way and that ends up changing maybe when they get to middle school or high school, um, you know, and everything that we're talking about related to kids, you know, there is an understanding of things change over time and that's just part of being a parent is having to be flexible and adapt to unexpected things. Um, But that being said, there are ways to save for private school uh, prior to even the college and university level. But also when you're thinking about education savings, it's something that you and your partner would probably need to have a good grasp on what do we feel like is our responsibility to pay for when they get to college level. And, and this is something that um, we find a lot of clients have to do some deliberation over um, because we might have you know one spouse who feels like, oh, we should be able to pay for everything. And the other one says... No, it's not really. You know, I was able to do it myself through student loans, and so you know our kid can do that too. And so that kind of gets back to some of the the values, um, incorporating values into the financial plan. And there's no right or wrong answer on this. Um, it's just figuring out what you feel your responsibility would be when you when you get to that point, and then you start talking about what kinds of education savings vehicles you would want to use because depending on how much and or if you are positive that your child is going to go to college, you know, sometimes we
0: and not going to get a full ride, and <laughs> right, right, and because my also, children are brilliant, and they're of course going to get, you know, everybody. Sometimes some
1: people. Well, and expenses <laughs> for private versus in state can vary drastically. Also, it depends on what kind of programs your state might even offer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as yeah, far like Florida,
0: as, where you live, has fantastic. Like, what do they call it, bright yes. teachers?
1: Yes, uh, Bright Bright Scholars, I think. Bright it Scholars, might now. yeah. Um, I think they've changed the name a few times over the years, but yeah, basically, if if you are hitting a, a certain GPA in the state of Florida, you can go to a state school for pretty much free.
0: Yep. Yeah, like I I went to Florida, and my <laughs> I was out of state, and my buddies all there were getting Bright Futures or Bright Scholars or whatever it's called, taking care of their tuition costs.
1: Yes. So those yes. kinds of
0: programs exist.
1: Right. Well, and then I was that kid growing up in Florida who could have gotten that, and then said to my parents, "No, I want to go to this private school." <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, and and I did, but I had to get a you know a scholarship for it. But all that to say, um, you know, it's it's planning for what options do we want to have available and then what are the caveats that we want to build into the plan in the event that our child perhaps doesn't go to college um you know might we want to have these funds that we've set aside be available for non-education expenses um, which seems to be growing more and more popular um, as far as maybe doing gap year, uh, travel abroad, maybe, or just saying straight up, you know, our, our, I'm, I'm okay if my child doesn't go to college and maybe wants to be an entrepreneur. And this is, you know, this could be some seed money for a business.
0: Yeah. So if you if you guys want to dig into some of that more, we, we talked, I talked with Joe Messinger, he's he's a uh, college planner, I guess is his title, but he, it was several episodes back, but we, uh, how to help your children maximize their college education was the name of it. But basically he talks about how like the sticker price of college is not always what you pay actually in reality and starting, you know, kind of understanding a little bit more about how that works. The unfortunate part about, I guess it's a good thing in general, but a lot of you guys have higher than average incomes. Uh, one of the challenges of that is when you start to go or look into funding your children's college, if you're of that mindset of like, well, I covered the cost of my college, so I'm gonna you know, have my child cover the cost of their college because um, I feel like that was a valuable experience. The problem is if your income is a lot higher than your parents was, you're gonna get way less financial aid and there's only so much loans your child can take out. And the colleges assume the remaining responsibility is on the parents. And so you kind of have to, it's not quite the same a lot of cases. Like for me, my parents didn't cover my college, but they also had lower you know, incomes. And so I got all kinds of financial aid and I was able to get student loans to cover the gap, which was not very big. But I can't I'm not gonna be able to have the same situation for my children. So you can dig into that more in that episode. Um we also talk about are you saving enough for college or for education? That was actually a few episodes back. If you want to dig into, you know, the different vehicles and a little bit more details about what that looks like. But like high level 529, that's the number one, right, Heather?
1: Absolutely. That's the most common one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So five twenty nine gets a little the part that gets people confused is there's each state has a different one, and it's you know there's a you know, a ton of different choices there. But maybe talk high level. Um, let's talk about like high level. What, what what's so good about a 529?
1: Well, the great thing about a 529 is even though you're putting in after tax dollars into um, the account, the growth is tax deferred, and then when you withdraw the money later on, um, it's tax free as long as it's being used for specific education expenses. Um, and the good news with that is I think currently it's $10,000 per year if you wanted to even pay for private education, um, K through K through 12. Yeah. So for those that are considering um, private education prior to college, that is a, a great way, especially if you are saving sooner rather than later not so great if you know you're putting in the money now and you're going to use it two months from now it's not really going to have earned enough to make it worth your while um, because again you're putting in after-tax dollars but for the long-term planning you know for sure yes my my kid's going to go to college and uh, we want to be able to pay for it it's a great way to do that without having to pay taxes on what you put in uh on the growth of that of what you put in
0: yeah and that's ten thousand per year per child max on K through 12 education costs now. So, but Heather mentioned like the the real benefits of the 529 are when you use it for something really far out from now. Like if the longer you let that money sit there, the better value you're gonna get. So we always encourage people to look at like undergraduate or, you know, the furthest out education expenses first, and then kind of work backwards from there. So, you know, if you're thinking about like, I want to get a head start on saving for my, you know, newborns, undergraduate four years tuition reward costs, there's all kinds of calculators you can run online. Or if you're working with us, just, you know, we'll help you figure that out. But go go on, find one of the online calculators and plug in the numbers. And you can really get a pretty good idea of like, what you might be saving, need to be saving per month into like a 529 to be kind of like on track for that. But I'll throw out like a range because it's going to be dependent big time on what's going on. But maybe like 200 a month to like 1200 a month per child. And the reason it's so big is because, and this is newborns I'm talking about. The reason it's so big is because like Harvard is, stu- is very expensive. Yes. You yes, know? it
1: is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's going to take a lot of money uh, for a long period of time to save up for that. Uh, so... It's a good thing. I mean, you want to get ahead of these sorts of things, but the hard part is prioritizing.
1: Well, yes, but the other thing to consider with the 529s, which is a good thing, is you can roll it to a different beneficiary who's a, a different family member in the event you you know, you've you've set aside money for, you know, Johnny and he's not going to end up going to college, but your second child Sally is you know you you can roll that over to another beneficiary in the family
0: yeah right and it's it's uh, it's definitely flexible it's not near it's not super flexible like you can't spend it on anything that's the downside is that it is it has to be spent on education but it's if you 100 percent know you're going to write checks in the future on education a 529 is a home run it's a fantastic place to kind of park those dollars or like future checks you got to write for education.
1: Also, you don't have to just contribute to one type of education savings vehicle. So if you say, well, I'm pretty sure that we're gonna use probably at least one of our kids is gonna go to college, but uh, we're not 100% sure about all of them going to college or we're not 100% sure that our one child is going to college, we wanna have maybe a backup plan as well. You don't have to put everything towards a 529. So Danny, you might wanna talk about how we advise some of our clients to split the way that they are saving up.
0: Yeah, that's a good point what we find is most people with newborns they're like i have no idea what this newborn <laughs> is going to do 18 years from now what are you talking about right. i can't <laughs> believe you just asked me about their college funding that's insane to think about so it is a little bit nutty to i mean like 18 years who knows but you know if you really want to get ahead of these things it it does benefit you to kind of start doing things early in life so what heather was talking about is oftentimes people don't like the rigidity of the or the limitations of the 529 type vehicle Um, Because you have to use it for education. And so we'll kind of like dial up or down the percentage funding. So for example, we can kind of like model what the 100% cost is going to be of whatever school we're looking at. And then like figure out, um, you know, maybe we only want to target 50% funding through the 529. Because, you know, who knows? You have Maybe you have two children and you're you're confident at least one of them is going to need the full amount, but maybe not both. So maybe we target 50% in the 529. And then the other 50%, maybe we use like a much more flexible account, like just an investment account um, and make that kind of like the uh, other 50% funding aspect. So you're still saving what you need to be on track for 100%, but you're not like 100% all through the 529 because you're, you know, and this will depend on the Person. So if I'm like, if I have like one child, and I'm like, ah, who knows, uh, maybe they go to school, maybe they don't. Um, you know, I'm not that jazzed about helping them out with it. And, you know, I just don't like this whole limitation aspect of the 529. We might not use it at all. Versus on the other hand, if you're like, I got eight kids, and they're going to private school, all the way K through 12. And then we're doing Harvard for undergrad, and then I'm going to cover their medical school. Then we'll be like, let's get aggressive with the 529s. yeah
1: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of things you're going to be writing checks for. So that's all the stuff. That's, that's, that's a lot of the stuff that probably people are thinking about. But let's get into some of the stuff people are less likely to think about. Maybe the less fun stuff, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, like life insurance?
0: Yeah. Nobody wants planning. to talk about
1: life insurance, estate planning. That's like no, the least exciting. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, but so it's one of those
0: things. Like deep down, most people are like, "Yeah, I kind, yeah, I, I get it. I, I do need to do those kinds of things. I know."
1: What I sense is there's a huge feeling of relief of like, "Oh, I got it done." <laughs> whenever yeah. they, whatever they do, get it in place, um, it's, it's like, okay, I, I feel secure knowing that I, I've got peace of mind about what the plan is in the event the worst case scenario happens.
0: Yeah, so the problem or I guess the um, issue is, well, before you have children, especially if both you and your spouse uh, or if you're married, but if both you and your spouse are working, um, it's kind of like, you know, if something were to happen to me, um, you know, it would be awful. But like financially, it wouldn't be, it'd be okay. I mean, it might, they might have to change stuff or whatever, but it, it would not be like pot- Pro- probably wouldn't be life altering especially if both spouses work now if one doesn't it can get a little that's a problem but two spouses no children not nearly as big of a risk now as soon as you introduce dependence into the equation it's a total game changer because you got to mouth the feed i mean you got someone to care for i mean it's we already were talking about like nanny expenses like that's a huge expense because it's a lot of time and money and resources to care for that person and feed them and you know bring them up and that sort of thing. So as soon as you introduce like another mouth to feed into the equation or a dependent, then it's like your income becomes like super important. It's like game time, you know? Like that's, that's when it's like, uh, you know, if you hadn't gotten life insurance or thought about it uh, up to that point, that's when it's like, you gotta get it. Like you are doing a disservice to your family if you don't have it, I think. Um, Now, that's that's my belief system. Um, You know, there are varying belief systems here. I know I'll, you know, we should clarify that. And so at the end of the day, if you kind of fall in line with what I'm saying, like my belief system, um, that's the time to get it is sometime before you have your first child, um, or at least to kind of like run the numbers and, and think about it and kind of explore what that might look
1: like. Sure, sure. And another caveat too there is if you're going to be um, getting life insurance on mom, sometimes that can be a little tricky to do during pregnancy. So the the timing of accomplishing that can, can be sometimes a little bit tricky.
0: Yeah. So I know I, I got to, life
1: insurance while I was pregnant, so.
0: I used to sell life insurance back in the day. And so <laughs> I kind of learned... <laughs> all the objections because there's many and um the, the basically we want to make there be as few hurdles as possible because it's so painful to get people to get and so um what made me think of it is you mentioned like it's more challenging to get in um, when you're pregnant which can be true but i would i would uh if you're in that stage and you're going to have hard – you're not excited about getting it, just pretend like that's not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's going to make it a little harder. You're, it's going to be in the back of your mind. And so um, I've had plenty of people that were pregnant be fine in that whole process and get lots of coverage and no issue. Um, in fact, the insurance and that's how companies – for me. Yeah, the insurance companies have told me in the past, like – because that question was so common, that they give them a little leeway – more so on the numbers while they're pregnant because the numbers are not quite the same. And so, like on the, not, when I say numbers, I mean like the technical underwriting part. Uh, so there's a little bit of leeway even in that process. And so now there, are, there are, there are health conditions that can happen in pregnancy that does do cause problems. But um, I think it's one of those things that you kind of, because it's so challenging, you have to kind of make it as easy as possible um, on yourself and not um, and give yourself a pat on the back for, getting it done there. The, a, a big question is like what type or how much? And, and that gets into a lot more, it gets complicated quickly. So I would, I would um, at, at minimum be thinking about it and like, make sure you're checking that checkbox off and term insurance is super simple. So that's always a good starting point. Um, if you're just kind of getting started and uh, you know, running the numbers on what that might look like as far as you know amount of dollar coverage and um, if you're working with us we can calculate those numbers for you kind of like I was talking about with the education funding uh, same thing with that there's calculators online too that, it, that will help if you're not working with us to kind of help you figure out a number as far as coverage to think about and my personal preference is to air high <laughs> because it's not one of those things that, I don't know, it's like, my belief is like, if I'm going to pinch pennies, I don't want to pinch it on like, (laughs) that kind of bad scenario. But everybody's different. So as far as life insurance and estate planning, when we start to get into the prioritization, Heather, what are your thoughts on like, you know, pulling all that together? Estate planning is kind of in the same camp as life insurance in that it's like the morbid and like worst case scenario. So a lot of times people we work with are like, well, what do I, I mean, I got a lot of things to do. Like, how do I start to like prioritize all this stuff?
1: Sure. I feel like the life insurance is probably huge <laughs> to get done sooner rather than later as far as what should I attack first. And, you know, with regards to estate planning, one thing that I, I it seems to trip people up on is, is with the estate plan, figuring out who you would name as a guardian for your child if both parents were to be out of the picture. And probably for those that are going to be first time parents, especially, that could be a really difficult thing to figure out. So, so that tends to be what stalls the process with regards to the estate planning. That, and you know, it's a relatively large expense that is not fun to pay. Um, but again, once it's in place, it's it's huge peace of mind. But I would recommend doing the life insurance before the estate plan if, if we're picking which to yeah. do
0: first. If you have to pick one, I think that's a good good cause. You know, get the so the life insurance is kind of like the funding mechanism if something happened. And then the state plan is kind of like the logistics or the legal mechanisms. Um, and the big one is Guardian, like you were saying. That's always the hard one for people. They're like, well, there's no there's no one nearly as qualified as I am. Obviously, your your child, you're going to – it's always a difficult decision because it's not going to be great. But you're kind of forced to pick the best possible candidate and get it on paper so that it's not a mess uh, if something – does happen and so you can heather was talking about the cost associated so when you a lot of people hire an attorney to get estate planning documents drawn up like wills and trust and all those kinds of things that's the easier route i I think personally um and you can kind of they can help you through the process um it's not like that a lot of it is just having a human like a person to kind of walk you through it and make help you to get it done because it's really difficult. I would say estate planning documents are the most challenging thing. We see p- people struggling with getting done of all the things, personal finance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The jargon associated with it is very antiquated too. It can be hard to go through those documents and even understand what it's asking for.
0: Yeah. I was talking about the life insurance and how there's so many, it's, there's so many reasons not to do it. Like there's so many hurdles. And, you know, we want to try to remove the hurdles. Like estate planning is like even worse. There's just, it's just like countless hurdles or reasons you're going to tell yourself not to do it. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to die. It's going to cost money. It's, I don't know who the guardian is. I'll wait till after I have a child. I'm going to procrastinate. You know, there's a, I don't need that complicated of a plan. Oh, well, there's online services that do it. Uh, okay, I'm going to look at, legal Zoom, it's cheap. And then I'll do that later. And then you go on legal Zoom finally, and then you're like, this is complicated. I'll do it later. And then remind it's just like once you get into it, it's not always as straightforward. And then you start to read the documents. You're like, I gotta review the documents. I'm but you never review the documents because they're painful <laughs> to read. And yeah. then you're like I finally got all this done and then they're gonna say I got to do other stuff like change beneficiaries. Oh my goodness, this is the most painful process that there ever was. Uh, they don't, that process is not really smooth. <laughs> it's not made to be, <laughs> to be easy on you. And on top of that, you're like, in the back of your head, you're like, I'm not going to die. There's no chance I'm going to die. It's unlikely, or you're not even thinking about it. So those are all the reasons not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but the re- you got to remind yourself, like the the reason you still need to do it despite all that is like you don't know like that's all reason you're doing it in the first place you don't know you never know what's going to happen it, and you have to kind of go under this remind yourself that tomorrow is not guaranteed you don't know what could happen so you got to bring like the urgency back into play um and remind you know remind yourself that you never know what could happen and we got to kind of plan like tomorrow is not guaranteed and that will get you kind of moving again on this stuff
1: Right, right. And with regards to the estate planning, too, I mean, no matter what, I feel like most people who are earning money, like to have a say in what is happening with the money. And one way to frame that estate planning is you're making sure that you are stating what you want done with all of that money that you have taken the time and effort to earn. So
0: yeah, yep, it's a huge deal. Um, But Can't tell you how many people, I mean, like tons of people, the majority of people I talk to agree that it's a big deal, but have not gotten it done. So it's challenging, but um, if you've done it already, give yourself a a pat on the back. You're ahead of the game, and that's great. Um, If you haven't done it yet, like make it a priority and put it on the calendar, you know, do something that you can start making, taking some action on it. So that's a lot of stuff Um, I know we hit on. And, you know, there's a lot of, even more stuff on top of it if you want to start getting into the weeds of it. But we kind of wanted to hit more of the high points today just to kind of give you some things to think about. Um, Heather, can you think of any other like biggies that we we either missed or, or stuff we want to throw out in closing?
1: A couple things come to mind, one of them getting back to the life insurance policies. Sometimes people might ask the question, should I get coverage for my new child? Which is, you know, something that you can easily attach a writer to your own life insurance policy. Um, if you're wanting to just consider from the start, you know, if there were to be funeral expenses that God forbid you have to consider. Uh, for the child, and then you know, going forward, do I want to get coverage that could be transferred over to the child when they get older? The option for them to be insured. So, so that's something else that might be a consideration. And then also getting back to taxes, there are some credits that one does get whenever you have a kid. Um, so uh, that's something else to to consider.
0: Yeah, I, ta- <laughs> I guess that's one of the only,
1: <laughs> Ta- uh,
0: yeah. financially speaking, we're only talking about finances right now. Uh, one of the only positive aspects of having a child would be that they're not for everyone. If your income's up to a certain point, you get kind of phased out of all this, but there are some tax perks too. Um, and those have gotten more generous, uh, especially lately. There's some credits that you get and basically they, you know, your tax bill is lower when you have kids. So, sure sure that's a nice perk on top all right well heather thanks for sitting down and talking through this with me and um i appreciate you coming on thank you and any of you guys if you have questions or you want us to dig into one of these topics more feel free to reach out and we'd love to do it as always thank you so much for joining us today If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also, check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor.